Though the global pandemic may be slowing things down, Spring Branch is taking tangible steps forward to keep our economy strong, like supporting our local businesses, linking them to free online business courses, and help from our top leaders. Spring Branch is working for businesses. Yours. Find out more at sbmd.org. In Spring Branch, we speak more than 145 different languages, and that diversity translates into a thriving economy. Our district's a melting pot that's a great place to find the staff you need. Spring Branch is working for business. Yours. Find out more at spmd.org. Hi, and welcome to Looped In. This is the Houston Chronicle podcast all about real estate. The dirt, the deals, the people, the places, it's all here. I'm Rebecca Schutz, real estate reporter at the Houston Chronicle. The other day I was on Slack, which is our internal messaging system, and my editor, Jonathan Diamond, sent me a message. He was asking if there are any real estate economists that I like to check in with. As things start returning to normal, he thought people might be curious to hear about what that means for the real estate industry. I do have a few that I talk to regularly. One of them is Jim Gaines, who has been tracking the state's real estate as an economist with the Texas Real Estate Research Center at Texas A&M since 2005. And before that, he spent 16 years as a real estate consultant for some of the big accounting firms and five years as president of Rice University's Urban Research Center, the Rice Center. Hi, Jim. Thanks for being here. Sure. Whenever people ask me how I'm doing these days, I always just think back to how much better things feel right now than they did around the holidays. Vaccines are widely available, the weather is beautiful, and it feels like life in many ways is returning to normal. We thought this would be a great time to check in with an economist like yourself to hear what recovery might look like for real estate and what normal might look like in the future. Let me tell you this too as a backdrop. There isn't an economist in the world that really knows what the heck he's talking about anymore. We've never gone through anything like this before. Trying to model it or try to guesstimate what to project for growth rates and development and so forth, it's up in the air a lot. But so I'll give you I'll give you my take on it for what it's worth. We're looking for job growth for the whole year to probably be between five and seven percent. And that's a big range. That's a very big range. Normally, we're down to tenths of a point where we're arguing among us economists of whether it's going to be 5.4 or 5.5, you know, that kind of thing. So take the low end of that forecast for job growth, 5%. At 5%, we will recover by the end of the year where we were back in January of 2020. As for the high end of that forecast, as much as 7%? Anything above 5% if we can get there this year, we'll be actually a little above above that. So that's actually good news. You've mentioned that the housing market has been on a tear for several reasons. The pandemic and the call to stay at home has driven demand for single-family houses. All of this is happening during a demographic shift as millennials are reaching the point at which they're interested in home buying. And interest rates have fallen to record lows. At the same time, fewer people are selling. There's less job mobility, and people are just generally staying in homes longer. The combination of these factors have led to an increase in demand for houses and a decrease in supply on the market. And together, that's really boosted Houston home prices. They're 16% higher than what they were a year ago, which if you just think about the rate of inflation or the rate of job growth, that's pretty incredible. 
And that means that affordability is quickly eroding. If you're looking forward, what do you see with home sales and home price increases? Is it sustainable? And that's an excellent question. Is it sustainable? It'll go on this year, over the next year, two years, three years. We do expect it to kind of level out a little bit and go back to normal or average rates of increase. Home sales don't increase normally 8, 9, 10% a year. The normal rate of increase is 3, 4, 5% of increase in sales per year. 2022, 2023, we'll probably start seeing that come into play. For one thing, a lot of the demand that we're talking about here a minute ago that's been created will get satisfied one way or the other, and it'll just sort of level off. Hopefully, also the new construction is picked up and picking up enough to balance that out just a little bit. Do you see any reason to be concerned? One of the cautionary things I've been trying to point out to people is watch out in 2022. As you well know, there have been a number of moratoria declared on evictions, mortgage foreclosures, and the like. I suspect because of political reasons that a lot of that will continue through most of this calendar year. So we're looking for perhaps some issues to arise of increased foreclosures and so forth in 2022. The good news is I don't think it's going to be overwhelming. A lot of people who've been hurt considerably economically because of their loss of their jobs, loss of income, maybe they lose their house if they can get themselves reemployed. Maybe that'll carry it and buy some time to get to get people squared away. That's part of the plan. I don't think it's ever expressed that way by the politicians, but but quite honestly, that is part of the plan. Buy some time and let the economy pick up enough to re-employ some of these people uh, who have been unemployed here for the last, in many cases, a year, uh, and get them resituated into their housing. Congress has created special rules around government-backed mortgages during this recession. And the majority of mortgages in the United States are government-backed. Think, for example, loans that are bought by Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. For those mortgages, the companies collecting the monthly payments won't be able to require that all those payments that were missed during the moratorium get paid all at once. Instead, they'll have to at least offer the option of some sort of payment plan. So that could mean renegotiating the terms of the loan, So maybe you'll have to pay it off over a longer time or with a higher monthly payment. So I'm looking forward to that. I hope that happens. And and then it'll minimize that influx of of foreclosures and lost properties and people being out of their homes. Those who get foreclosed on are going to become renters. We saw that back in 2007, 8, 9, and 10 when we went through horrific levels of foreclosure. We're not going to experience anything like that this time around. Now, the commercial market may see something different because that'll be a little more difficult to renegotiate with the lenders. We do know that there are a number of investors being formed, investment groups, companies, funds, however you want to express it here, that are collecting capital. They're collecting the money to coming in to swoop in, if you will, and try to buy properties at bargain basement prices. The interesting thing so far, that hasn't happened too much. It's been a little bit, but not much, despite the fact that a lot of uh, businesses have gone out of business. 
Restaurants have sat empty. Hotels have sat empty. Uh, retail space has been down considerably as tenants have not been able to pay their rent. The malls, almost all the malls are hurting with a couple of exceptions and have lost tenants. So again, it's going to take the second half of this year and on into 2022 to see how all that works out. And for commercial real estate, I think there's a question of how the way people use spaces will look after the recovery. So for example, for hotels, do you see any change in the ways they'll be used? It's to be determined. My impression on the hotels is it's going to take six to 12 months to figure out how well or at what rate the hotels are going to recover. Many of the hotels are institutionally owned or owned by major flags. They generally have the economic wherewithal to to hopefully weather the storm and, and to get through it. In the meantime, the value of the hotel probably has suffered on paper. Meaning if they can avoid selling until people return, if they do end up selling, it will probably be at a better price. So it sounds like maybe some of the funds that have raised money looking for properties in distress to buy at a discount might need to put off that prospect. Yeah, I suspect that some of these investment funds that think they're going to swoop in and take advantage of Houston as they've done in the past, particularly back in the 80s, and then back during the Great Recession here of 2007, 8, 9, I, I don't think they're going to find the level of distressed opportunities that they did historically. The other thing that's going to happen is over the course of the next couple of years, interest rates are going to go up, mainly because inflation and expectations of inflation are going to go up. As we come back to quote unquote normalcy and, and people get out and spend money and buy things, and, and that's going to push inflation up, is that going to be a short-term blip of, uh, of a few months or maybe a quarter or two and then level out? Or is it going to be one of these secular changes and be inflationary on out for a couple of three or four years? And if that happens, the Fed is going to be very, very, very hard pressed to keep interest rates as low as they have for the last 10 years. The interest rates will start creeping up. As those interest rates start creeping up and inflationary expectations creep up, the cap rate or the discount rate that investors are going to be willing to pay to buy the commercial real estate is going to go up, which means the prices get pushed down. It's an inverse relationship. So it sounds like in commercial, there have been some changes in maybe the way people want to convene in conferences, maybe the way they want to go into the office or the way they want to shop. So people are sort of waiting to see if this is going to impact the values of their real estate, because if those new habits settle in a way that brings in less revenue, then they aren't worth as much. I think so. Some businesses, uh, some operations can be equally productive with people working remotely as necessarily being in a in an office. Working remotely has gone from something like about 8, 9, 10% up to, at one time, I think it peaked at about 45%. That may stabilize at, say, around 20%. So what it's going to mean is that about double the number of people will be working remotely or, or semi-remotely as opposed to uh, necessarily going into an office every day. People have been talking for a long time about what this means for real estate. Any thoughts? The only offices that are going to be built here in the next year or two, the ones that were already under construction, 
Because once you were under construction, you were obligated to have to finish it. There's nothing more worthless than a half-built building. The apartment market has been a little nervous about this and seeing how things are going to straighten out. The retail sector is very nervous about the online e-commerce. Obviously, on a percentage basis, online shopping has gone from something in the neighborhood of about uh, 12 to 15% to nearly 30%. So the retailers are very nervous because people have gotten used to now ordering even their groceries, ordering their food uh, instead of going to the restaurant, going and picking it up, uh, all of those things. Now, we are still congregate animals. People are still going to want to go to shop. They want to see the product, not just see a picture of it on their computer screen. Some of that is going to come back. So it sounds like in commercial, there have been some changes in maybe the way people want to convene in conferences, maybe the way they want to go into the office or the way they want to shop. So people are sort of waiting to see if this is going to impact the values of their real estate, because if those new habits settle in a way that brings in less revenue, then they aren't worth as much. Well, yeah. And at this point, it's a bit of a guessing game. And then people have been building lots of spec warehouses for all the e-commerce spec warehouses are warehouses that are built without a customer in mind. People are just like, we know people need warehouses to handle all of the shipping. So I'm just going to build it and a customer will come. That one has held up pretty well. And in Houston, there's so much spec space being built that the vacancy rate has actually risen. And you got to weed through that and let it balance out. Then ultimately the, the demand catches up. Okay, so you don't see the rising vacancy as a problem. Uh, it'll be a short-term problem, and it'll be a problem for some properties, unique properties. But as an overall market kind of problem, at this point, I don't think it's going to be a big one. I guess just my last question is, if you, you know, you, you don't know, but if you had to sort of think about in 2022, how things will be similar to or different from 2019... Do you have any sort of inklings of what that future might look like? Texas is still going to be a growth state. Texas is going to do well. Houston is going to do well. Uh, The housing market is going to probably continue to be strong. I don't think it's going to be as strong as what we've seen the last uh, 16, 17 months and and what it's likely to be for the, the next six months, six to eight months. I think it will calm down and go back to quote unquote some normal level. Uh, but we're we're going to be uh, in pretty good shape, assuming we, that nothing else like this happens again. Uh, one of the things that we haven't talked about, uh, land. Uh, we're, we're getting all kinds of reports. And as you know, the Real Estate Research Center is, is the source of data for rural land in Texas. We, we monitor that across the state. And we're, we're getting all kinds of reports. The value of rural land is just going through the roof right now because a lot of people are, when things get bad or nervous, you buy gold, you buy land. Interesting. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to walk us through this very sprawling, hard to predict question. I appreciate it. Thank you listeners for tuning in. If you ever want to send an idea for a podcast or just say hi, you can reach out on Facebook or Twitter. I'm at R-A Shoots. That's R-A-S-C-H-U-E-T-Z. Special thanks to our guest, Dr. Jim Gaines. 
Thanks to our print editors, Jonathan Diamond and Rob Gavin. Thanks to Farrell Gibbs and his band, All the Kimonos, for the theme music. And thanks to Scott Kingsley for producing. Until next time.